Hello and welcome to another edition of Bills from Afar. You with me, Tim Rudge, my co-host, Charlie. Charlie, how are you doing after... We've had a few days to cool off after our uh, exit <laughs> out of the uh, season, but how are you feeling? Yeah, well, the last game is always bad, isn't it? If it's not the Super Bowl, and we've never seen a winner Super Bowl. So every season that the Bills finish always feels bad, but this one feels especially bad, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, as you know, I was there at the game. Um, and it was very, very flat. Um, it's the first time under McDermott, I feel like we're either we've, we've, we've taken a step back. It feels like we're taking a step back and not, not have reason for optimism for next season. It feels like this one, that one was, um, there's a lot of stuff that needs to get done. So it was a really strange atmosphere. I mean, for most of the first half, people were still kind of up for it. And then the second half went on, people were just... Yeah, resigned to the fact that we were getting beaten by a far better football team and um, there was an awful lot wrong with the Bills. And and for whatever reason, um, it was a difficult, difficult day. That said, yeah. I had a week, really good weekend in Buffalo, apart from <laughs> apart from the game. Went to see the Sabres for the first time, which was really good. Enjoyed that. They're in the chance of getting in the playoffs, which is cool. Went to get some wings at Gables Gate. Uh, I met Colleen, uh, Colleen Wolf um, from Tiny Box. Football. Tiny yeah. Box, yeah, which she was lovely, very nice. Um, oh, she, she comes across as one of those like more genuine NFL media people. Like. Seemed super nice. I mean, super, she was just yeah, walking yeah. along, and there's like there's like a little area in the, the RV lot where uh, she was she was hanging out with Cal Brand, and uh, yeah, she was just walking along, and um, it was all very quiet. So I went over and said, you know, hey, and had a bit of a chat about wings and. Um, that kind of stuff. So it was, uh, she was lovely, really nice. So, so how tiny is Tiny Box? Oh, she's small. Yeah. I mean, oh, I don't how know, maybe, small? I maybe like, five foot one or something. Yeah. Really? Like wow. surprisingly short. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, really nice person and um, was, was a pleasure to meet her. And the tailgate was great. Um, yeah. So did you tailgate with... like at the same area where they were yeah, doing the podcast? So and... I'm, for those people not familiar, so I went to the Hammers lot, which is next to the RV lot. Um, I basically I was hanging out, hung out between those two. So the Hammers lot is where you know all this sort of famous must and ketchup shenanigans goes down. Although there wasn't any on this particular day, but I managed to meet up with some people I'd met at other 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 uh, events for the Bills. You know, people I met in Baltimore, people who had come to the pub in London who were there. Um, hung out with Nick for a little bit, the um, you know guy with yeah. the um, original Bills back who we found on our, our show. Yeah, uh, met some folks. Actually, had a funny experience on the on the flight there. I was flying from Charlotte to to Buffalo. The plane was full of Bills fans, which was really cool. I've never seen a plane like it. And I was probably like the 20th person to get on. I was had a Bills hoodie on. Everybody else on the plane had, had a cap or a top on or something. And the air hostess said to me, "Is what's going on? Is, is this some kind of cult? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, pretty much. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, so pretty much everyone on the plane, apart, apart from like one Bengals fan was was uh, was on was, was there. And want to uh, be that? That guy. <laughs> hey, it was, it was actually it was fine. It, like, no, there was no there was no shenanigans or anything. But then when the plane landed, the, the pilots gave it a go bills and everybody cheered and uh that was that was really cool. Um it's just weird to see that in the flesh. And then I, I was tweeting a little bit and then I realized the guy who runs the Kansas City um Bills Backers Club was actually on the same flight as me and he was sat like nine rows behind me. So um didn't get a chance to speak to him at the airport, but um at the tailgate he come and came and found me at, at Nick's Nick's spot. So got to catch up with him. Really, really lovely guy. Um so yeah, it was at the tailgate was great and it, it was all going really well until I got into the stadium, to be honest. Yeah. Um and uh, then it all went downhill very, very fast. What was your experience? I mean, you must have been pretty miserable, I would imagine. It was Late game as later game as well. 
Yeah, so I don't know about you, like, but I could. I don't know how it was being sensed in the stadium, but I felt like those first few drives on both sides of the the uh, both both teams had like the Bengals obviously scoring two touchdowns in their first two drives, the Bills having two uh, successive three and outs. Like you could see kind of what the strategy was from the Bills in terms of offense, so trying to you know get more rushing into their attack and you know control the clock a bit. But when you've got a Bills offense, uh, Bills. Bengals offense, sorry, that, uh, you know, had that kind of weaponry. And, you know, I just felt like there's a lot of confusion as well on defense. Like the defense wasn't all over the place. place. Like, yeah, there was like two uh, DBs like covering the flats and that created all that space for Chase. Yeah, um, that was a horrible play. That was a horrible play. You know, and you asked what what it was like in the stadium. I think there was still optimism. Um, when the ball, the Bills got the ball back towards the end of the set, first half, because at that point we were still in double dip territory. Like we get this right, we can still we can still yeah. fix this. And if you remember going back over the season, there's quite a lot of slow starts to the Bills. You know, a lot of times where they've been behind, they've come back in the second half to win. There was still optimism at halftime. Well, as I say, run up to halftime, let's say, because you remember they punted with um, with with some seconds to go, which was uh, pretty uh, pretty badly received. Um, and then it, yeah, it just went slow decline from that point onwards. Really, um, yeah. yeah, miserable day. And um, yeah, well, maybe let's explain to people we're not going to do our normal show, right? Oh, we're, I was going to you know, get yeah, to that. Yeah, we're not we're not going to do that. It's yeah, we can't do MVPs or plays yeah. of the game and that kind of stuff. Nope. The, the whole team deserves a wreck. The coaching staff, everybody. So instead, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to pick out the various different bits of this puzzle and sort of talk about whether the reaction's fair, whether it's an overreaction and to what extent we're concerned about it. Um, because it, it, it's not a game that we can really analyze when everything's wrong. But before we get into that, I, I just wanted to talk about one particular thing. Um, it felt watching that everything was wrong, right? Everything was broken. And my overriding impression at, this, at the time was this team has just run out of gas. This team, whether it's the Hamlin stuff or the you know the storms and the disruption and the this 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 horrible season they've had in terms of just stuff around the game, not necessarily in the game. Maybe it's just caught up with them, and yeah, and that's what we're watching here. This is actually isn't a fair reflection of this Bills capability. We've seen the Bills play a lot better than this. All right, let's give all respect to the Bengals. I think they're by far the better team and may have been as anyway, but it felt to me like this was a team that just ran out of gas. What was your sense on that? I mean, because if that is the reason, that's a much easier reason to explain than all the other bits and pieces that we're about to get into. Yeah, I felt like, you know, you're right in some ways. Like when I was watching it, I did think like how soft are we playing, you know, not only, you know, just on the field, but scheme-wise. And I just felt like... This isn't the Bills, you know, that I've come to expect over the last few seasons. It felt like it's been the Bills of the last couple of months. I feel like we, we've, we you know, as a fan base, probably buried our heads in the sand. Like, we could see this kind of exit coming. Um, and we could see, you know, since Green Bay, really, in week eight before I buy, like, we've not been convincing that whole time, really. You know, there's been flaws. Well, we've been gritty. Um, you know, we've, been... we've kind of we've kind of dug it out. We found ways we? to win. Yeah, we and that's all we needed in a regular and that, season. And that's the thing. But... Like we didn't see any of that. We didn't see any grit or any fight. It, it, it felt like something yeah. more fundamental was off here. Yeah, like you watch it, and it's just in the trenches as well. Like I know we'll get onto more like specifics, but it was just 
really hard to watch. It was just so flat, and I just felt like you know, there's it, it's not right. And I was looking for leaders, like you see on the off off field stuff. You see digs, and you know, trying to get the guys going, but on the field, there wasn't any like real no spark, drive or passion, or no. you know, there wasn't you know any fire like. But all of John Feliciano's flaws, and I'm glad we don't have him anymore, but, you know, he brought that kind of, you know, aggression and, you know, fight to the to the trenches. And we just don't have yeah. that on either side of a ball. You watch it and, you know, we, we went up against, what, three backup linemen from the Bengals and Ted Karras was injured and hobbling uh, their centre. So effectively four guys down, yet we still couldn't dominate up front. You know, it's so, so disappointing. If you were to sort of, you know, let's... I don't know, let's don't get too Bruce Nolan about this, but if you were to um, put it into percentage terms, how much do you think was just this season's caught up with him? How much do you think is the fact, the fundamental flaws in this team that we've been kind of able to cover up and get around and gritted out through the season? I'd probably say I'd lean to you or, uh... maybe 60-40, I was thinking. Maybe 60% towards the, the flaws that we've been able to right. cover up. And, you know, Josh, for all of his, you know, issues that he's had with the yeah. red zone and all that kind of stuff, the turnovers, and I feel like he's probably done his best to try and, you know, keep, especially on offense, obviously, but keep this team, you know, in one direction and, you know, put the points that we needed to just about and you know, yeah. making these comebacks and stuff. You know, I feel like he's maybe, uh, you know, he's he's bandaged, yeah. you know, up, yeah. you know, a lot of our flaws, especially on O-line. And yes, yeah, so I, I think it is a combination of both. I think it's more so though the flaws that um, we have seen for, the last half of the season and then probably everything that's been you know happened catching up with us and yeah. you know what would you think like would would you say it's fair or do you think it's more for me just... it's a bit more 50 50 and the reason that yeah. i say that is just because it everything was bad and you know i don't think we've ever had a game certainly in the last summer at dermot maybe other than the jags game last year that's what i can think of where, where everything was bad and everything was wrong um it's pretty rare that happens under this 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 coaching staff, and so which makes me think it's a bit more, you know, that we saw all the flaws. Let, let's be very clear, you know, in terms of the playing staff and where the weaknesses are, all of those things were exploited. But the fact that everything was bad makes me think that yeah, a good chunk of it was this this team had just run out of gas, um, and I, I think it, it becomes kind of a. Uh, it's like a sort of negative virus, isn't it? If you see the next guy running out of gas, then you're not going to be fired up and, and, and be pushing as hard. And it spreads through the team. So it only takes a handful of players to not be at it for everybody to not be at it. You see this in sports all the time where, why, why, why do we play so badly that day? And it was probably just a handful of people that weren't at it and that just spreads. And it, it spreads like a virus and that's what it felt like. But even if it's what you said and it's 40%, there is some reasons for optimism there, right? It's not, it's not every, not everything is on the playing staff and the coaching and all that stuff. That, that these are things that are probably not going to happen again next season. And I think that that's maybe a bit of perspective that we need is that we're not going to have a season where we have to watch somebody die on the field and be resuscitated. We're not going to have a, a season where we we're disrupted and have to, you know, uh, get have to dig ourselves out of snow and and. and you know, Dozens of people lose their lives in the city of Buffalo, and there's a, you know, a, a racially motivated shooting at, at tops markets. You know, these things are one-offs. We hope, um, and are not going to happen again. And I just think the emotional energy that maybe this this Bills team, who's really part of the community, who really feels deeply, you know, um, 
the soul of Western New York is um, it's not going to happen again. I hope, and and undoubtedly we have to fix those issues. But I really hope and want to ensure that you know that those those other things, those other factors beyond uh, the normal are, are not things that we have to worry about again. Um, yeah. Okay. Also, let's get. Let's yeah. Let's go ahead. Just before um, we get onto like if we're looking at position mm-hmm. groups and coaching and all that. We've exited now, what, four playoffs in a row now in successive seasons. Like, how would you rank, like, that loss compared to the others? Like, how you felt and how, you know, bad you felt mm-hmm. afterwards and, yeah. you know, how you've been able to pick yourself up and not being able to. Like, how, how have you found, like, moving on from this exit compared to the last three? It's a good question. The easiest one was the first one against Kansas City. Yeah. Same. Because we were just were not – we knew we weren't good enough and we weren't good enough. and But we run an upward trajectory. Um, I would say the next easiest one was 13 seconds because I think we all felt we should have won. So in terms of being optimistic going into the next season, we felt like, yeah, you know, it was one of those things. It was toss of the coin. It, what, what was against us? Then, right, it was painful, very painful, but it was one of the best games that anyone had ever seen. And there was lots of reasons for optimism coming out of that. It was the first time we went head to head with Casey and really looked like we could do them. Um, then I would say is this one. Um, that 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 Texans loss killed me, absolutely killed me. Because the first half, we were great, and then we fell to pieces. And it's the hope that kills you. And that was the issue with the Texans game for me personally is that I had hope. I was like, wow, this is this is this is the new Bills, and this is what we want, and this is so much better. And wow, we're really going to do do something. And then to collapse in that second half destroyed me. This one, there was never any hope. We never looked good enough. I never felt like um, I even going into the game. It, we, you know, you and I talked. You know, could have gone any any way. We knew we were up against a really good team. Um, so it's taken me a few days to process, but they always do. <laughs> but yeah. for me, that Texans game was an absolute heartbreak, and it's probably not the answer that everyone else would give. I'm sure people, the people, yeah, seconds of this well, one, but, but it was the yeah. ho- it's the hope that kills you, and, and, that, and that having been through that drought, and only you know we muddled our way into that game against Jacksonville, but. Yeah. Um, having been through that drought, and this was the new Bills. This was the Josh Allen Bills, and that that second half complete collapse was horrific. Yeah. No, I understand that. I think the difference for me between that Texans game and the Bengals game is that two. Well, how many seasons has it been that first third season since the Texans game? I think yeah. we've now got ourselves into a position that you know. The expectations are so high. Like yeah. we we've talked about it before. We don't necessarily expect to win the Super Bowl, but we expect to be, you know, there, there about, at least yeah. in this position of being yeah. in the divisional round, you know, most likely getting to the championship and, you know, really putting up a good fight in that game. But yeah, I think the expectations were so high and I think we kind of, I said about it, kind of had our blinkers on. Like I did personally, like I never felt great about this team, but you know, we've seen it the last couple of postseasons that, you know, when Josh is firing and, you know, he's on, you know, j- j- he can just be in another level and, you know, be the best quarterback in the NFL when he's on it, when he's on in, in form, no injuries. Um, so I just kind of kept thinking, you know, we'll see this version of the Bills. We'll see, you know, what we've seen over the last couple of seasons. And I'm afraid it didn't happen. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't surprised when the game went as it was because you could see those deficiency and those flaws. But for me, that was the biggest gut punch. That that was hard to get over. Just clearly weren't good enough. 
Um, I mean, we're good enough against Kansas City when we lost the championship, and no one expected us necessarily to get there. Like right. in 2020, yeah. no one expected Josh to make the jump that he made. Um, so I was comfortable in some ways of moving on from that performance. But yeah, this this this, this hurt, and it took a few days. And I'm it's still not a coincidence and... we're recording on a Friday. It took us a no. few days to even want to talk about it, right? <laughs> no, right. And, you know, you talked about, um, you know, not going through the awards and, you know, plays. No one wants to hear that. And we don't want to do that as well. So, no. um, yeah, we're missing that this this time. But, you know, let's, let's get into it then. So yeah. what we're going to do is just we're going to nominate you know, a position group or coaching, an area of coaching, you know, that we want to talk about maybe as areas that, you know, need improvement. What's the fix? Are we, is the other person concerned? So Charlie, do you want to nominate the first? Yes. I'm going to nominate um, the wide receiver group. And I went on record at the start of the season. I didn't think Gabriel Davis was going to be a wide receiver too. I hoped I was wrong and it was proven to be correct. It doesn't give me any satisfaction. But yeah. we essentially lost two, uh, our, our second and third wide receivers, losing Beasley and um, Emmanuel Sanders. And I, I wasn't blown away by Sanders, but his name, his his brand almost took dude defenders away. And what we've seen is that Gabriel Davis has been up against cornerback twos, and he's not been at, he's not been able to um, separate and 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 perform at the same level as when he was essentially wide receiver four. Um, to me, this was we obviously suffered from Jameson Crowder's injury. I think we've seen promise from Khalil Shakir. Um, I'm quite excited about Khalil Shakir. I wish he was more involved. Um, but we are, we really looked pretty weak compared to the Bengals when it came to the wide receiver core. Um, now, the good news for this is I think it's relatively easy to fix, which is you go and draft a wide receiver probably at, in round one. You know, you get really good wide receivers. Even if you get one in round two, there are really good wide receivers in round two. But you go and get a proper wide receiver too, to basically give um, give offense, uh, sorry, defenses a bit more to think about. Um, I think this one is an easier one to fix. I think this is the weakest wide receiver call we've had for four seasons. Um, but it is something that absolutely needs to be fixed. Um, I don't think enough people are talking about it, but it is a to me, it was so apparent. It's a problem. Yeah, yeah. It's just the makeup of the group as well. Like we talked about it, I know I did as a concern in the um, just before the season started. Like it's all well and good. We've got Diggs and Davis. They're our core perimeter wide receivers. But who'd back up? Like if if Davis yeah. got injured, if Diggs got injured, who'd be that next perimeter let, guys to step up? Because we, you know yeah. Crowder. McKenzie, Shakir, these were all slot guys, smaller guys. Uh, you know, I think Shakir can actually play on the outside, but he has the build, uh, the size mm. to be more, more of a slot, slot. guy. Yeah. So, like, it was just like, where's the plan B? You know, if, mm-hmm. if one of those get injured, you know, what's going to happen? And we we just don't have that answer. Like, and I think it's it's criminal that I looked at um, Shakir's. Uh, targets and catches since that Green Bay game uh, in a regular season through the rest of the regular season. He only had nine targets, four catches since that Green Bay game in week eight, which is just crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Considering what he brought, like whenever he had an opportunity, he impressed, he made catches, tough catches, good contested catches. You know, there's not been like, I think he only had one drop from what I remember, you know, there's nothing, you know, significant there to say, oh, okay, I can see why he's sitting out. I understand why you're using McKenzie um, or, you know, Crowder, Crowder but, being injured most of the season, but like, come on, like. And this is also a team that let 
Isaiah Hodgins go. Now, obviously, everyone knows I'm a big Isaiah Hodgins fan, was coming out of the draft. And look look what he's doing at the Giants, you know. Um, all right, he's, again, more of a big slot guy, not a perimeter guy, but he doesn't drop stuff. And he's, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's massively helpful in a, in, a, in a weakened wide receiver core. So obviously we, we've got Jake Kumaro still hanging around. I know he was injured this season. Yeah. It, it, the good news is I think it's relatively easy to fix, which is you go and draft high a wide receiver. Um, get somebody on a you know rookie contract. We've seen brilliant talent come out of the draft in the last few years, and I think there's going to be more coming this season. Um, we're going to be drafting a little bit earlier than perhaps we would have hoped, which again opens up opportunities for us to get something somebody really really good. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a, a big concern for me. I don't think it's been talked about enough since this uh, since the season ended for us. Um, yeah. But it, it has to be fixed in this off season. Just one last thing on the wide receiver. So. Based on where we are, the cap, based on Josh and Diggs and what their cap hits look like next season, I think uh, Josh alone is going up by $23 million from what I remember seeing. Um, you know, so and clearly, you know, the cap just as a whole is going to go up anyway. It does year on year, but it's going to mean that we're going to be less free agency focused. We can't be because we've not got the uh, the cap space available and we're going to have to be more, you know, yeah. draft, uh, you know, more focused on the draft and making sure we get the wins in the draft. And when you look at this draft, um, for, for most of our like main needs, it's actually quite a weak class. But for wide receiver, you know, it's not considered a strong wide receiver class, but that's not a bad thing because the top guys, the Jackson Smith, the Jigbers, the Addisons, these guys might actually be in play for when we pick. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. we you know, that might actually guys. be a good thing. So, yeah, exactly. exactly. So, and I think no, if I we go in with a, a Diggs, proper wide receiver two, essentially a first round draft pick, a Jameson Crowder in the slot, um, a Gabriel Davis as wide receiver four, Khalil Shahir backing him up, I think that feels a lot better. Um, you know, um, I really don't know why we're still paying Jameson Crowder. Sorry, uh, Jake Kumaro even. Um, yeah. I know he's got special teams capability, but yeah, it feels like a, a stretch. But yeah, okay. So that's why I just see. Well, what's uh, what's your first uh, first group? So I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line without mm-hmm. Von Miller. Um, we saw it against or the Bengals. Jones. Or Daquan Jones, and yeah. it goes to show, you know, because those linebackers, Edmonds especially, they look lost, and you can see why because we just went winning up front. Um, so it's really hard for them to decide whether they need to shoot a gap or if they need to, you know, if it's play action or something. You know, they, they, they like to play play action, so you know it, it does affect those linebackers. And I just feel like, you know, the, the philosophy of drafting high. Um, we all had a lot of hope for this young edge group uh, with Epineza, Basham, Rousseau. I've still got hope for Rousseau, but Epineza, he's been with us for three years. Um, he had six and a half sacks this season, but I think that's very, um, you know, like Jordan Phillips is nine and a half sacks, where yeah. it's kind of mop up sacks. And yeah. I think it's like Benefiting that. from Epinesa. other folks, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then Boogie. You know, I'm I'm prepared to give Boogie Basham another go because it, it'll be year three next year for him. But I feel like it's more coaching and it's also the kinds of guys that you're drafting. Like all of these guys have the same prototype, clearly to fit a mold, which is, you know, being a solid, reliable um, run defender on the edge. Um, that's not going to allow a quarterback like he's got rushing ability to escape and, you know, and, and is a power rusher and you know able to ball rush the tackles they can't do any of that no and they haven't got the speed i want to see some you know another i know we're not going to get another von miller but another von miller type of skill set that's more of a, a bendy edge player 
you know, like a Jer- Jerry Hughes in his prime, you know, more bendy, less weight, more speed, you know, able to actually beat the um, tackle. Um, you Around know, the outside going to go. Yeah, yeah you, you know, you look at all the premium investments made, you have to call into question Coach Washington, the defensive mm. line. You know, he's been with us a good couple of years now. Now, I know we had him in Carolina, and McDermott, and you know, he's familiar with him. I think he's even assistant, like defensive, like coach. Uh, I think he had that title added to him. But clearly, there's been no development in any of no. these guys, and think, something needs to change. Yeah, I think Rousseau, you could say, has developed. I think he's been a very competent choice. And so here's the thing: to me, this is a question of depth rather than um, anything else. So the defensive line actually looked pretty good when we had Dequan Jones and, and Von Miller. Um, Actually, I like that makeup. We see that we don't get the same production out of Ed Oliver when we don't have a good, sizable one tech there. Um, Ed Oliver's dropped off since Dequan Jones has has, um, has been injured, yeah. which is understandable. We saw it previous seasons. He's an undersized guy, so therefore you need somebody who can soak up double teams next to him for it to get the benefits out of Ed Oliver. So I think the starting four are actually fine. The issue is Tim Settle. I don't think has been left up to my expectations, certainly. Boogie Basham, I never know why we drafted him in the first place. You don't get top-rated edge rushers in the second and third rounds. Like You don't even get him in the second half of the first, normally. The only reason that we got Rousseau is because he'd been, he'd been out for a season. Um, it's very hard to get that bendy, you know, outside guy where we're drafting as a good team. So I think it's difficult to go and find those 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 kind of guys where we are where we're typically finishing off in the draft. Um I think AJ Vanessa, I think they messed him around with regard to his weight, but he hasn't really pulled up any trees. So to me it's the likes of AJ Vanessa, Boogie Basham, Shaq Lawson's dropped off, um, Tim Settle. These this second tier of of defensive linemen are just not good enough. So when we're losing a Dequan Jones or a Von Miller, there's no one to come in and st- it, it all falls apart when we lose one or two of those pieces and that that's not, that's not good enough. I'm, I'm actually going to be looking for us to draft a one tech, somebody, a proper backup to Quan Jones, somebody who can soak up those, uh, those double teams. We can usually get a good one tech and even like the fourth, fourth rounds. Um, but yeah, I think it's, to me, it's about backup and development. They just simply haven't got that second tier of guys who can contribute. Josie Jordan Phillips, I thought looked all right for a while. And then, got injured and then he's not been the same guy since yeah it we you know it was both in free agency and the draft that second tier is a committed complete failure from my perspective yeah i'd slightly disagree in terms of having to use high draft capital usually it's the case but when you look at the bengals d-line joshua sai i think he was a fourth round pick um sample was a third round pick um, Hubbard, who's now a captain for them from Ohio State, that drafted him like five, six years ago. He was a third round pick. So there are guys there. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you're not going to get, you know, Nick Boses or, you know, right. the Bose Brothers, Mars. You're not going to get one of those premium pass rushers at the top of, you know, in, where we pick. But I think you can get good depth players. You know, what was. Um, the Raiders' edge, uh, Crosby, he was a fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that is an outlier, like because he is such yeah. a premium. So fair, there are fair, guys fair to point. be had. These are outliers, but... and it also depends on your your D line coach to be able to develop them. When and you can say that and drafting the right ones, you know, yeah. identifying yeah. them, and you know, do we trust Bean now? I mean, they've been uh, drafting it, on traits. From that perspective, they've been drafting yeah. on traits, assuming they can develop the guys, and they haven't developed the guys. So we just got traits. Yeah. you know, and that that's a problem. So I think this is a. Mm. I think that anyone that's, that's talking about the D line is. 
is right. I wouldn't even be surprised if they went early again on D-line. You know, it, they're going to just keep doing it until they get it. Yeah. Um, well, it's such a premium position. Like, do I trust them, though, to draft right? No, I don't trust them. Based on what we've seen? <laughs> I don't. No. But you do have to yeah. keep rolling a dice, and you know, you because do. it's such a, you know, you win on both sides of a ball. You, you, that's how you win games. Yep. So, Absolutely. And I was just going to mention, you mentioned Ed Oliver. Like, we're both ra- massive fans. We've both got his jersey um, of him. And I know that things haven't been right. You know, we haven't had Von Miller there. So it's mitigating factors for this. And I think he's a good player. But when you look at the defensive tackles that were taken in the same class, it was a very yeah. defensive tackle. Most of them you know, Quinn and yeah. Williams. And it's not just Quinn and Williams, because he was the second defensive tackle mm. taken, Ed Oliver. It's the guy behind Christian Wilkins. He's yep. had a breakout season. He looked great this season um obviously uh, jeffrey simmons for the titans looks great there's another one i'm not thinking off off the top of my head that's really annoying I think, me i think that's ed oliver good. is 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 a is a perfectly getting good... blown off a ball against Bengals. Yeah, so i was but, seeing that a but, lot but because he doesn't have a one tech i mean and this has been the yeah. problem ever since we've drafted ed oliver is that you've got to have the pieces around him if you're going to draft an undersized guy so all right it, to me, it's not a criticism at Oliver. Like at Oliver is no. what he is. He's a good player, yeah. but you've got to have the pieces around him. So to me, it's a criticism of being and um and, and the development around uh, these players that if you're going to have a better at Oliver, you need to have a big meaty one tech. And it's only this season we've really solved that problem. And then that guy got injured, and then the backup has not been anything like the level. So that's that's why I'm saying it, we can still yeah. get plenty out of at Oliver, but he's not going to command the contract that perhaps he would have done. Um, we might have expected, which might actually do us a favor because we are going to be well, we're already well over the cap. So, um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to the next group what, then? What about you? Yeah. What's, what's the next one for you? It's got to be O-line and specifically yeah. guards. Um, although I'm still struggling right a little bit with Spencer Brown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, he's another one where we drafted traits, hoping he'd develop. We have seen flashes. I think he's great in the run game out in space, but as a, a, a pass blocker, he looks naive. Um, he doesn't seem to be able to put those traits to work. Um, again, I don't think his development has been as, as quick as I would have hoped. Um, I'm willing to give him another season just because it's such a premium position. And if we can get the most out of him, you know, we, we need we need cheap cheap solutions at right tackle. But the biggest issue is really the guard. And when you and I have been shouting about this, I mean, why on earth are we drafting Boogie Basham and Cody Ford and oh, who's the guy from um, uh, uh, Bernard in the third round last year? Oh yeah. And we're ignoring this position um, is a mystery to me because you can get really good guards in the third round, right? Um, yeah. You get perfectly competent ones in the fourth round, um, but we've been ignoring this position. When when was the last time we drafted a guard? I can't actually remember. It's it's, it's something more than five yeah, years on ago. On day one or day two, yeah, it's yeah. been a little while, hasn't it? It's been it's been it's been a, it's been a really long. Probably while. was Cody Ford, to be fair. But and he was he was drafted as a tackle. So yeah, um, did we draft Ike Butker? Or was he, I can't remember. But he um, was a UDFA. I he think. was a UDFA, wasn't he? Yeah. So um, this has been a massive. I mean, obviously Josh Allen has covered up for a lot of the 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 issues at um, on the on the line, and people are so saying, well, Dawkins has dropped off. Well, yeah, because he's had to deal with. Saffold next to him. And to be fair, I thought Saffold was a good signing. I think a lot of people did. I think a lot of people yeah. thought he was a good signing in free agency and it hasn't worked out. So you, 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 there's a bit of revisionist history here. Going, but the guards have been poor. We haven't got enough depth at guard. And it, with a quarterback like Josh Allen, who can make stuff out of nothing, it covers up a lot. 
but we really got shown up um, this season, I felt, with our weakness on the O-line. And I think that's something that is, again, not super difficult to fix. Mitch Morse is a premium player. I think Dawkins, we, we still is, is perfectly competent. Hope that we get more out of Spencer Brown. I don't think Ryan Bates is terrible, but he's rotational, maybe. He's not, you know, he's not a superstar. Um, not Nothing like it. But I think I would love us to to draft a guard in the third round, probably um, somebody with a bit of um, a bit of spark about them. Yeah, no, I think that's all fair. I think it's an area that needs to be improved. Um, Spencer Brown, you know, I'm not saying I'm not writing him off and saying that he couldn't start for us next season, but I want to at least have, you know, be able to hedge our bets and have, you know, something more there, not more, you know, Someone better in terms of competition, yeah. not David Questenberry. Who's our swing um, tackle right now? And do we feel good about that? Yeah. Well, no. it would have been Tommy Doyle, <laughs> wouldn't it? You yeah, know, it and he's been. injured yeah. all season. But he's he's exactly the same, you know, profile, athletic, you know, Questenberry really would have been athletic. Yeah. Four, you know, know, but we said about it, you know, we want to see more investments in the O line, not just like you know, they try and patch it with these veterans yeah. that, you know, haven't succeeded elsewhere, you know. But they know and they think they can get best out of it hasn't really worked that often. It has in certain occasions. You think of Dal Williams and those kind of guys. You know, it's happened once or twice, but you know, usually it doesn't work. And there's a reason for that. Um and you've also got to look at the coaching, you know, um Cromer, Coach Cromer, yes. um, one season. Um I couldn't really I don't know if it's necessarily him or if it's the overall scheme, but there wasn't consistency in terms of what scheme we were having in a run run game, you know, if it was zone, if it was power gap style, um, rushing attack, um, it was hard to see it there. And then, you know, he brought him in, but with, with these athletic guys, even Ryan Bates is a really athletic guard, you know, you'd think you'd see some, you know, development out of those two. And uh, so, you haven't, I felt like some of them have yeah. even progressed like Dean Dawkins. I love him. He's great. Um, you know, he's a long-term left tackle, not got any issues with him. Um, but even a, uh, end of last season, he had a few poor performances. He's, he's always so. been struggled though when he's not had a reasonable guard by him. I yeah. think he, he needs that solidity. And the other thing is about Cromer is I'm willing to give him another season because these aren't mm-hmm. his guys, you know, and how much is personnel versus coaching? Yeah, It's just not clear to me. Is this really just a personnel thing and we just need one or two guards and a bit of better backup or is this, is this actually Cromer hasn't taken this group forward? I do think we've seen some signs of life in the run game this season. Um, probably better than we've had for most of uh, the McDermott era, uh, certainly since since Shady left. So I don't know. I'm still jury's out on that one in terms of where the fault lies, but for sure we need better personnel. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Should we move on to your next one? What's your next uh, group or coach to uh, talk about? Yeah. So. <laughs> I want to talk about the offensive and defensive coordinators because there's been a lot of noise this week mm. about a lot of people wanting change potentially. I was just wondering kind of where you stood on it because I've got a certain perspective. I think in terms of Frazier, like there's more noise about Frazier going and, um, you know, he's run his course and he's been with his team for, I don't know, five, six seasons now, however long it's been. And I don't know, I feel like he should be given one more season um you know, with better players on the defensive front, bring Von Miller back, bring Michael Hyde back. I think those two players are key for this defensive scheme. We saw how Von Miller, you know, enhanced everyone else around him. If we kept a fit Von Miller and we had Michael Hyde back there, how much of this had to be mitigated? I'm quite excited to, you know, see 
Frazier's scheme with Von Miller at full, full health and maybe a, a few more exciting players on, on the D-line. Um, so I don't know what your thoughts are, just more specifically about the defence and the, the coaching and if anything you think needs to be changed there. Yeah, um, I struggle with this because I think obviously the regular season, as you do, Frazier's defence is pretty solid. But time and time again, when we come up against the absolute best teams, he struggles. Um, you know, he doesn't typically stop Mahomes. He doesn't, we, we, we've struggled to have significant influence over good quality quarterbacks. Um, and so that sort of, it's, it's tricky, right? So the question is, is it just, it's a one-off game and we, we have a bad day? I, I don't think so. I think the issue with, with Frazier is that we don't have a plan B. You know, it's, this is a bend, but bro- don't break defense. And then sometimes we're not able to inject a bit of chaos and, and really impact um, quarterbacks. But as you say, how much of that is on the fact that we don't have the D-line personnel to really um, make that impact? It's a different defense if that if we're getting pressures and we're we're getting sacks. And the fact is those injuries then have a big big issue. And it ripples through the team, right? So you, you miss out on Decon Jones and Von Miller. And then you see that Milano and Edmonds aren't as good because they've suddenly got to cover more space. And then we run to our what fourth and fifth choice safeties. Um, we still got a rookie corner in. There's a lot of things that are missing on that defense. And I think it's difficult for us to to judge given the injuries. But injuries are part of the game. You know, you've got to you've got to find solutions yeah. to that. I'm I'm really ambivalent. I mean, I could go either way. I can absolutely see the people that are making a case that maybe maybe he's run his course and we need some fresh fresh ideas on the defense. Equally, I could say, actually, when everyone was fit, we were playing really well and we've not actually seen a Von Miller-influenced um, defense which can get pressure on the, on, on, on the quarterback against the biggest teams uh, yet. Now, my concern is that Von Miller's not getting any younger. You know, we signed him on this six-year contract. Really, it's a three-year contract. But how much do we get out of Von Miller? You know, are we going to see injuries time and time again? Or is he actually going to um, be fit enough to contribute significantly um, over these next two next two seasons? I'm just not sure. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really not sure. I I, I can see an argument both ways, but. I am concerned about the fact against the biggest opponents, no matter what the personnel we've struggled um, to really influence quarterbacks. And I think that Burrow is is slightly unusual case because he gets the ball out so quickly. Um, to me, he's like he's like Drew Brees, you know, he's, he's there and he's gone. He's out well, less than two and a half seconds. And even with really great pass rushes, he struggled to get to the quarterback in that kind of pay, that, that kind of speed. But then you've got to be able to adapt to that. Yeah. Um, there are scheme solutions to those sorts of things. So I think he's very much a McDermott guy. I don't think they're going to overreact. My best guess right now is he's here next season. Mm. But do you expect any change like across uh, offense and defense? Not necessarily coordinators, but position groups. I know we saw we've seen the safety guy go, haven't we? Who seemingly was doing a great job at slot um, um, slot corner beforehand. I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, I'm sure they, they know far better than us, right? But I was like, well, we're playing with our fourth and fifth choice safeties. What the hell do you expect? Yeah. This is a very different defense from Mike Hyde and Jordan Poyer on the field. Um, and then Dequan Jones and 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 um and Von Miller. So I don't know. It, it's someone that's gonna be a scapegoat. I do think Eric Washington's under a, a large amount of um pressure. And I'd be very interested to see if he hangs around, if I if I'm honest. Yeah. yeah. As I just don't think we've seen the development out of the, the sort of tier two guys. Um but yeah, that's where I probably expect the change. 
but that's my best guess. But if Leslie Frazier was contract was not renewed, uh, I believe he's out of contract, then yeah. I'm equally not going to be surprised. I mean, you know, it'd be interesting to see what a uh, Vic Fangio could do um, coming in. Um, different ideas, different thinking. But yeah, this defense has been t- proven time and time again as the biggest teams. It's not quite got it. Yeah, and I agree. I think if it's anywhere, it's going to be on the D-line. Maybe on both trenches, to be fair. Who knows? Kramer's only been here for a season, but yeah, it might bring him back. But I do think it's the trench play that hurts us most. Um, and that's the areas that I'm going to be looking at improving, mostly. like There's obviously going to be areas... Um, you know, we need to be rectified. You know, you look at safety, you look at wide receivers. We talked about there's going to be areas like that. Linebacker, if Edmonds isn't brought back, although I think he will be. Um, but yeah, it's just disappointing. Like, we've looked at these drafts and we haven't had a pro bowler um, drafted by the Bills yeah. in four seasons now since the, uh, you know, Josh Allen and uh, Tremaine Edmonds draft, you know. It surprised me a little bit to think that because we always consider, you know, Brandon Bean to be a good drafter, but some of his strategy, like Tuel Bernard, like is a really puzzling selection from last season. Like, what's the plan for him? What was his plan this season? Yeah, I, I, that, what's that the plan one over the next three seasons? You know, still winds me up. I actually quite like Tuel Bernard as a player. I just don't know why the hell we drafted him. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. What was <laughs> the point? What was the point? You could have drafted a guard. I guarantee this team would have been better if we drafted a guard. Um, yeah. that one boils my blood honestly I just I just cannot fathom it I couldn't fathom it on draft night I was fuming about it then I'm still fuming about it now we've seen yeah. a whole season go through no one has any clue why we drafted Terrell Bernard and even James Cook um, I'll wrap this up uh, shortly but just having a little think James Cook he had better production as a rusher I wasn't expecting him to be as good a rusher as he was and what he brought to this Bills team but as a pass catcher that was his primary skill set um, we saw nothing um, which leaned into that we traded for Naheem Hines, you know, great special teams player, but nothing in terms of that skill set well, yeah, from the backfield. Like, we have to talk about Ken Dorsey, right? It's obvious that there's a, a misalignment somewhere between yeah. Ken Dorsey's scheme and what Brandon Breen is drafting because we're bringing in Naeem Hines, James Cook. We know that they wanted McKissick. They're expecting to be able to have pass catches out of the backfield. And what have we done? Ignored it. So yeah. that to me shouts of complete lack of joined up thinking. Maybe it's as simple as the fact that Dorsey's just overwhelmed and he's got too much on his plate as a first first year OC and he's been working on some fundamental principles and he just hasn't been able to add every nuance and detail that, that maybe we, we sort of Brian Dable over the, over the years. But that really is a, a strange one for me. I'm I don't expect Ken Dorsey to be going anywhere. What I also say is a lot of people shouting the odds at Ken Dorsey, there were people open. I mean, throughout the season that, that Josh simply wasn't finding. And I think it, part of it was about Josh's lack of confidence in the O-line. Um, I think part of it is I do worry that Dorsey and Dorsey almost believes too much in Allen. You know, you remember in the early days of Josh Allen, like sometimes you see Brian Dable like ripping him to pieces on the sideline. And, and I know they said they were friends and they got on really, really well and all that kind of stuff. But 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 Dable would take take Allen out and give him a proverbial spanking when necessary. And I think that I worry that Dorsey's just a bit too close to Josh Allen sometimes. Um, maybe believes in him too much. I'm not sure. But something doesn't seem right. Scheming people open. Josh Allen isn't always taking advantage of that, even though I think he had overall a pretty solid season. And I think some of his spectacular plays were mind-blowing this year. Um Something shouts that there's a lack of alignment somewhere there, and and they'll know what it is. I'm sure of it. I'm, you know, McDermott is a, a wily enough coach to be able to spot this, 
I'm not expecting Dorsey to go anywhere. I think he'll no. get better in year two. Um, but a lot of people shouting about Dorsey. Some of this is on Josh Allen, or at least the alignment between Dorsey and Josh Allen. Yeah. No, I think they're all fair points. Do you have any more areas to talk about in terms of coaching or position? I think we could be here all day. Well, to be fair. yeah, we could. Um, I mean, there's, there's plenty of people out there, you know, Fire McDermott crew, and I think mean, that's complete bullshit, to be honest. I think, yeah, um, I think. McDermott has consistently improved this team. This is the first year we've taken a step back. Oh, suddenly we're now going to fire McDermott. I mean, are you kidding me? Those people don't remember the drought. Do you remember how hard it is to get a good coach? <laughs> McDermott yeah. is a good coach. He's consistently turned us into a top, let's say, four to eight team in the NFL. I will take disappointment in the playoffs every year compared to a drought, every year. Um, yes, we want a Super Bowl, but you've also got to enjoy the journey. Um, there's plenty of people also pointing fingers at you know, Brandon Bean. I think the thing is you've got to compare it against what other other GMs are doing. Um, it's really difficult to have consistently really good drafts every single season. It is a bit of a crapshoot. Um, some guys that had fantastic series as, as, as drafters then have dry patches. And um, I think Brandon Bean's had a bit of that, honestly. But I generally think he's a good GM. You know, he's one GM of the year, right? Um, I'm not prepared to throw the baby out of the bathwater. I think that the people calling for McDermott and Brandon Bean's heads are overreacting. That's, that's absolutely bonkers. I think if yeah. I'm looking at making improvements, I'm only advocating for potentially position group yeah. Um, yeah. coaches and personnel to be moved on. Not the, you know, it's crazy. Not the main structure of this coaching staff of a general manager. It's just absolutely bonkers. As you say, you know, we've experienced what three AFC titles in a row now and, you know, all of these highs and divisional rounds, you know, at least we've got a chance, you know, and, you know, you look at the other teams in our division and they haven't had that chance for a long time. So, yeah. um, well, well, Patriots, I can't really say that for, but, you know, you look at the Jets and Dolphins. People know. tend to look at it with a very Bills lens. There's always another Bill. You've got to compare what others are doing and how many teams over the last, say, four or five years have actually been consistently better than the Bills. There's the Chiefs. And who else, right? Not many teams have been as that consistent high level. No. You've seen some teams like the 49ers and the Eagles getting good. All right, well, were they as good as we were last year? I don't think so. Um, you know, there's, there's waves that you go through. That's the way the NFL is designed, right? It's designed to be complete, continue to reset the competitive balance. I think the challenge now is there's a different type of challenge that they've got to they take, you know, dig salary and an and Allen salary and a tough cap position. Um, they're going to have to do some restructures because they're just not going to have the same wiggle room as they've had in the past. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, so maybe we should just uh, explain to people what we're going to do during the off season. Uh, we're going to take a little break, um, reset, um, focus on the draft a little bit. Um, as you know, Tim and I love the draft. Um, I think Tim's a little bit ahead of his preparation than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we uh, we love scouting players and we love getting into the draft. And so you get plenty of draft content from us. Uh, we'll also do some some shows like we've done in the past, try and bring on people who have, um, you know, follow the bills from afar. Um, other countries beyond the United States. We'll try and interview them, hear their bill story, hear what it's like to follow the bills in different countries. So we've got some of that coming up. Yeah, and lots of other things that um, uh, will we'll populate the off-season. But we are going to take a bit of a break. We're going to reset. We're going to recharge and, um, yeah, recover a little bit from this uh, this tough week. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, 
yeah, it's exciting. You know, it's exciting content that we'll be having over the next uh, few months. Obviously, free agency first. So I don't think there's a huge amount we'll be able to do there. But I think there's certainly some uh, stopgap type players or some low uh, risk high reward players that we could be able to sign. So um, we'll do a few previews around that. Um, and we need to talk more um, next episodes probably about um, the London game and the fact that yes. that all broke before uh, before the Bengals game. So obviously we're really excited to have that. It's gonna, there's a lot of talk, a lot of activity around, you know, setting up, like, you know, meets and, uh, you know, events and that kind of stuff, um, stuff with Matt happen. and yes. everyone at the Fits, um, the key contributors there. So a lot of discussions happening around that. So we'll talk more about that, I think, next time, though, in terms of, uh, you know, there's a lot of negativity uh, in this <laughs> <laughs> podcast episode. Needed negativity, to be fair. I think we both needed to get that off our yeah, chests. Yeah, we need to rant um, a little bit, didn't we, today? Yeah, we did, absolutely. But next episodes, I think... Uh, will uh, certainly be a lot more positive and upbeat. And we'll talk about, yeah, more more of that uh, moving forward. So, yeah, no, exciting times. Fantastic. Well, I do appreciate everybody that's joined us this season. Um, you know, it's great, great for Tim and I to be able yeah. to talk bills. And uh, it's really nice to hear when we meet people who've listened to the show and have enjoyed it and uh, appreciate yeah. the, the, the awesome. time we put into it. Um, you know, we did this, you know, coming to our end of our second season now, we did this really to give ourselves an outlet to talk bills um when we didn't know many bills fans did we too? <laughs> no many more now but we didn't yeah. have our bills backers pubs um here in the uk um it's harder for us to get to games thankfully i've managed to get to a few now this last couple of years but um yeah we really appreciate everybody listening and um feel free to get in touch if you know people that you would like to come on the show if you've got a story to tell about the bills we're always open to ideas um you can email us billsfromafar at gmail.com or you can get in touch on twitter we are billsfromafar um or individually, he is Tim Rudge90. I'm Charlie underscore sport. And until next time, go Bills. Go Bills.